following message is by Reggie Ramos of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. What I'd like to share this morning is a word actually that I shared recently with our leaders. And I think it's kind of timely, uh, especially in light of the baptism service that we had last week. Uh, Here's a picture of uh, the special brothers and sisters who got baptized last Sunday. And I don't know about you, but I Instagram, no, not Instagram. Did I? Yeah, it was Instagram. I Instagrammed this photo. And uh, I said, baptism service is really one of the best and one of the highlights of the ICC calendar year, as we hear about the transforming power of God, as, we, as each one of these brothers and sisters had the opportunity to share their testimony of how they came to faith and how God transformed their lives, uh, it was such an encouragement. And that day I was really distracted because of, I was worried about my wife, and yet I just could not help but glorify God and praise God in the midst of the testimonies, thinking about the amazing work that happened in Will... Uh, Danny, Jackie, Nelson, and Timothy's lives. Um, and hearing about each, of one, each one of their journeys of how they came to know the Lord um, was so encouraging. And I think I want to build upon that today uh, by sharing about uh, reaching out in love. Reaching out in love. Because we saw from their testimonies that they were people who uh, once were lost And yet, uh, through the ministry of God and through the ministry of God through his people, they were brought near to God. They were brought into a relationship with God. And um, I think all of us know that we are to play a part in that process uh, for others. Um, But I want to start off asking this question. Uh, Do a little bit of word association. What is the first word that comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism? What is the first word that comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism? And maybe really quickly after that, is your gut reaction positive or negative? So, really quick, what was the first word? Somebody. Warren. Okay. (laughs) Danny. Missionary. Chris. Go out. All right. David. Okay. Scott, teaching. teaching. All right. Trisha, explaining. explaining. Anybody else? Sharing, sharing. Okay. Wow. Those are very, some very positive words, right? Positive for everyone? Negative? Anyone negative on that? Your first gut? Come on. Okay, let me just confess on behalf of the leadership team. There was 10 of us there that morning. And nine out of ten shared a negative word and a negative gut reaction. One person said sharing and uh, was positive. Um, I think uh, that, um, I think many of us, when we think of evangelism, a lot of times we think of an, an event, a moment, uh, an encounter where we um, have an opportunity to share, to explain, to maybe teach. And I think for a lot of people, that's actually pretty intimidating because you feel like, 
There's so much pressure on you to know where to go in the conversation or what to answer the questions that they're going to have or what if they ask me something I don't know the answer to? What if they ask me one of those hard things? And we feel so much pressure. We feel like all the pressure is on us. So we think about it oftentimes as an event, kind of, you know, like that, that encounter and um, I think we feel a lot of individual pressure. But this morning, I want to um, think about evangelism um, hopefully in a, in, a, in a more accessible way uh, with all of you. and Because um, I, I, I don't think we can deny that if, we're call, if, we're, if we think about our call to follow Jesus, uh, it, it involves evangelism. It, if we want to be faithful to God, evangelism and reaching out to others with the good news of Jesus Christ has to be part of our lives. Now, the thing is, I think, again, because many of us think about that encounter and that conversation that often can be awkward or intimidating or pressure-packed, some of us kind of steer clear of evangelism all in all because we don't want to put ourselves in that uncomfortable, awkward place. But um, we can't deny Matthew 4.19, when Jesus called his disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When we follow him, he's going to make us people who reach out to others with his good news. Not only that, in Acts 1.8, and I think I'm going to share a lot of very familiar verses, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. We are called to witness to his death and resurrection to his gospel work to those who do not know him so that others would be able to come to know him. And probably the most clear uh, and uh, understood one, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It is an undeniable part. Evangelism is an undeniable part of God's plan for us to grow as his disciples. And maybe it's not always on the forefront of your attention, your desire, but we're not the ones necessarily in charge of our growth as disciples, you know? He is the one who wants to grow us. His agenda, his desire, his heart, his plan, his timing, all of that, he's the one that's growing us and wants to grow us. But let me say this. Now, again, maybe assuming that if you're a little bit like me, that Evangelism is one of those things that make you squirm a little bit in your seat if you think, okay, today we're going to focus on evangelism. Ah, I'd rather focus on something a little bit more private or a little bit more me, you know what I mean? Like something that I'm just comfortable with. Like I'd be more comfortable learning how to study the Bible rather than learning how to evangelize. I'd be more comfortable learning how to, you know, taking a seminar on how to be a good steward of your money rather than studying how to share my faith. Uh, there are things that are a little bit more comfortable and that we want to take responsibility of, but um, many of us are often, you know, kind of uh, uncomfortable with this evangelism thing. And, uh, and in some sense, if we really think about it, we're just, you know, of course I have to grow in this. Of course I need to grow in this. But in actuality, we're just sitting there waiting for it to just, boom, happen. You know? Uh, it doesn't happen... Uh, Transformation in the Christian life doesn't happen haphazardly. Although we may be occasionally strongly convicted about our burden, our responsibility to evangelize, even the love of God touching our hearts and motivating us to evangelize, 
oftentimes simply being convicted, convicted by it doesn't, doesn't result in lasting transformation. Like you go to that conference or you hear that message and, man, you feel fired up. But lasting transformation doesn't necessarily happen as a result. And Dallas Willard writes in his book, Renovation of the Heart, spiritual formation in Christ is therefore not a mysterious, irrational, possibly hysterical process, something that strikes like lightning whenever and wherever it will, if at all, or something that is magically conferred upon us as we dwell in the midst of curious rituals and antique practices. Furthermore, he says this, while it is simultaneously a profound manifestation of God's gracious action through his word and spirit, it is also something we are responsible for before God and can set about achieving in a sensible, systematic manner. What he's saying is this, if you think that just by sitting in services that all of a sudden you're going to grow in like, you know, and all of a sudden be an evangelist one day, it's just not going to happen. Yes, God is involved in a certain way, you know, like his word and his spirit take root into our hearts, convict us, but there's also a process that we can enter into, like training, uh, in order to grow in evangelism. And I want to challenge us as believers and as disciples of Christ to take responsibility of this for ourselves and therefore to take intentional steps to grow in faithfulness to God in this area as often we're convicted about taking steps and growing in faithfulness in other areas, like our marriage, our parenting, right? Our parenting seminars are so popular. Marriage counseling, if, we ever, if, we, if Dr. Steve got around to having one, and he will sometime, and he just has a lot on his plate, but when he gets around to it, I know that's going to be packed because we all, though we all look happy, we go home and... There's the cold stare, cold word, cold shoulder, and the fights that we get into and the disagreements and the incompatibility that we're trying to still work through. Those things that we easily take in intentional steps to grow in. But what about evangelism? Willard again writes this. Imagine a person wondering day after day if he, he or she is going to learn Arabic or, <clears throat> or if he or she is going to get married to a certain person just waiting to see whether it would happen. That would be laughable, but many people actually seem to live in this way with respect to major issues involving them and with a deplorable outcome. That explains a lot of why lives go as, we, as they do. So what, is he, what he's saying is we, we have hopes, we have, you know, we, have, we imagine like, yeah, that would be good, but there's no intention to actually uh, do anything. We, we're just waiting for something to happen and it's not. And that's just the way that it goes. Well, I want to share um, some perspective, uh, some helpful perspective, hopefully helpful perspectives with you today that I hope would make evangelism a little bit more accessible and even exciting. Um, something that we can uh, join in together as a whole church rather than thinking about it as purely like this individualistic thing that I'm out doing on my own, it's not really connected to church or that kind of thing. But be, before we talk about that, let me, I, I want to ask you some questions here. Some things that I want you to be thinking about. First of all, think about your own story if you know Jesus Christ. How many times did you hear the gospel before you responded? How long would you say the process took? 
Another question. Was there one person, several, or many people actively involved in reaching out to you? Then thirdly, who was most influential in your choice to follow Christ? What was that person's relationship to you? Friend, relative, pastor, stranger? Well, okay. When we, when we met as leaders, we, we broke out into these little groups and kind of shared about this. Can't do that now. But I'm going to share about my process. I grew up going to Catholic church all my life. Um, but church was very ritual for me. You go every Sunday. You memorize the prayers. And there's like this whole motion to it. Stand up, sit down. Towards the end of the service, there's a kneel. Then there's a time when you, you know, everybody stands and puts their hands out together and you pray the Lord's Prayer together. And then you go up for communion. And by that time, it's about 55 minutes. And then you go home, <laughs> you know. Um, I heard Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Growing up my whole life, didn't make almost any impact on me. Uh, had that kind of religious life for like all throughout high school. In high school, one of my uh, classmates invited me to a Korean church praise night, and I, I saw what was called the Doors skit. It was a gospel presentation that went from Genesis to Revelation, and it was a pantomime. Um, and I remember seeing that, and I was like, okay. I, but uh, at the end of the night, uh, the, youth, the youth pastor, um, he asked everybody to put their heads down. He was going to be sharing. Uh, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a Christian at the time, didn't really know what was going on, so I just kind of looked at him. And everybody's head went down, and I was the only one looking at him. <laughs> Just kind of staring at him like eyes, you know, and he was staring right at me. And in retrospect, I know what he was thinking. That guy needs Jesus. Um, uh, but he was sharing the gospel, and after he got through, he asked everybody to pray a prayer. I didn't pray that prayer, but, you know, hey, another gospel presentation. Um, in, uh, in college, I went to church every Sunday. But uh, it was more, again, out of my tradition. It didn't really mean anything. just felt like I was still being a good kid. Now, come into my sophomore year, um, uh, I had a group of friends. I think there were six of us, Filipino guys. Our, all of our hair was like this tall, you know, party silk and rayon shirts, you know, club scene kind of guys. And uh, we would always study in the basement of uh, this dorm. And um, we'd always notice that there were these other Asians. When I came to realize all Korean, um, they would always study there too. We would study there. They would study there. But we would like, you know, we'd be kind of loud and obnoxious. We'd bring like a big, you know, back then boom box, <laughs> dating myself a little bit. We'd bring it in and while we're studying, we're playing all of our all of our dance music in the, in the study room and uh, studying. And uh, one day, this, this, this girl, Sue, comes fake tap dancing over to our table and says, hello, my name is Sue. And just 
we all, you know, just, we just met her and it was like, oh, nice girl, you know, and we started to befriend her and befriend her friends and that kind of thing. And eventually, so my group of friends was starting to be friends with her group of friends. And eventually, uh, some of them realized that they were in some of the same classes, and one of my good friends got invited to a Bible study. And uh, the thing was, none of us knew what Bible study was back then. But we would play basketball every Tuesday nights, and this friend would disappear on Tuesday nights and say, I know, I'll play basketball later at like 9 o'clock. I'll come down. We're like, where are you going? No, nowhere. He wouldn't even tell us he was going to Bible study. He was ashamed because we thought Bible study was for weirdos back then. But eventually, he got invited to church, and, uh, and he started going on the side in secret. Uh, and eventually, what he said was um, his small group was in charge of ushering for a Sunday service. And because he had been going with them, uh, going to Bible study, he decided, you know what, I'm going to go to a Sunday service. And at that time, all of our six friends were going to Sunday service together. So we said, you're going to go to another church? What church is that? What kind of church is that? Is it a crazy church? What is that? No, he's like, no, no, no. They're just people I'm going to Bible study with. So we decided, hey, we'll go to church with you. So we, we got all dressed up in our party clothes. <laughs> you know, like, then um, we all went in and uh, we sat down and we got there slightly late, but by the time we got there, worship had begun. And for my whole life, worship was old people stuff. Religion was old people stuff. When you get older, you get serious about religion. When you get older, then you start singing in church. Old people sing at church. Singing is kind of, singing for us, you know, I'm, my hair is like this high. That's kind of like dorky. That was my, but I went to this service and here I was in this church and there were 300 people my age and they were singing. And they were singing this song called Great is the Lord. And as they were singing this song, I looked to the left and I looked to the right. People were lifting up their hands. Some people were uh, closing their eyes and crying. And I was looking around and I was astounded by what I was seeing. I mean, these were not old people. These were people my age, people who, you know, I felt like could relate to me. And um, I felt like God in that moment said, I am real. These people are not just singing to the air or to the walls. There's something going on here. Their intensity, their sincerity spoke to me. And so God used that. And all of a sudden, at the end of that service, I don't even remember. I just know that the sermon was on the book of Isaiah, but I have no idea what it was about. All of us in my group were uncontrollably crying. (laughs) And we were all embarrassed about it. So we're hiding from each other, you know, like, you know. But God worked through an invitation of my friend. So the thing was, the next thing we do, we said, oh, you know what? Our buddy goes to Bible study. Let's all join Bible studies. So we all join Bible studies. Granted, I'm not a Christian yet, or I, at least, I don't know. If you start thinking, maybe, maybe I am, but I just don't know it. Depends on how you think about things. But I joined a Bible study. And I uh, went to my first Bible study, and I don't know, in those weeks, of, it, it, sort of in that, those weeks of having met Sue, going to Sunday service, I noticed that all of those people, all of those 
college-age people carry Bibles to church, and they're huge Bibles. Life, and then I saw some of them, Life Application Bible. So I went to the Christian bookstore, bought a Life Application Bible. Then I went to my first Bible study. It was in the book of James, James chapter 1. And Bible study was going on, and leaders asking questions. And I'm looking down at my Bible study, at my Bible, and there's the answers in the notes. <laughs> but nobody's saying anything. So I kept raising my hand. I said, oh, yeah, consider it pure joy. It's because, you know, he wants to develop our faith. You know, I just, just you know, <laughs> it's all there. First Bible study went, and then at the end of the Bible study, the leader she said, uh, this Saturday, we're going to go cold witnessing at the union. Who wants to go? I said, oh, I'll go. I'll be there. <laughs> this is good stuff. I've been coming to church. It's feeling good. Yeah, I'm going cold witnessing. Have no idea what it is. For those of you who don't know what cold witnessing, it means going up to strangers and talking about Jesus in public places. <laughs> you know? So... I'm not a Christian yet, at least I don't know I am, or I'm not, I haven't prayed any prayer or whatever. So I'm full of zeal. I go to the, I go to the meetings point an hour early. <laughs> like, and then uh, another guy was there early, and so he comes over, he starts talking to me, and uh, in retrospect, what I realized he did was he went through the whole evangelism explosion outline with me. Evangelism explosion is an uh, evangelism method that uh, was put out, I believe, in like the 70s or something like that, that t- tells you how to share the gospel with somebody from step one to like 100. And uh, this guy went from the beginning to the end with me. I, as I read the book later, it's like, man, he did it all. Um, <laughs> But uh, he shared the gospel with me, and boom. I prayed the sinner's prayer. I was so ready. I prayed the sinner's prayer. I, was a Christ- I-, I accepted Christ, and then I, uh, we went out, and he said, well, you know, okay, when we go to talk to other people, let me do the talking, and what you do is you just stand next to me and pray for me, and so we did that. After that day, I ran back to my friend's dorm, and all my buddies were hanging out there, the other five. I said, hey, guys guys, you can't just go to church. You have to accept Christ. You have to accept Christ. And they're all looking at me like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You got to accept Christ into your heart. You can have a relationship with him. You have to accept Christ. And they're like, what are you talking about? And and that's all I remembered from what the guy told me, really, because he spent an hour talking to me. So I said, you know what? You got to talk to him. So uh, within the next couple of weeks, Every one of my friends who had all been plugged into Bible study went and asked their Bible study leader, hey, can you share the gospel with me? And everyone, everyone accepted Christ. Well, I kind of went a little long. I guess I got a little excited about that. But the thing is, um, how many times did I hear the gospel? Plenty before it actually clicked. Was there one person, several, or many? There were a bunch of people involved. Who was most influential in your choice to follow Christ? Huh. I mean, people who I had become to know, but God used a lot of different people along the way. And I share that story because I think um, 
we often, again, we, we often think when we hear evangelism, the event, when it happened, you know, when, when somebody makes a decision, and all, the conversation and the pressure that's all upon us. But there's so much more than that. Two helpful perspectives I want to offer to you today is this. Coming to faith is a process. For me, it was a 21, 22-year-long process of coming to that point of decision where I was exposed to truth many times and God brought clarity over time and in the midst of circumstances that he placed, then I made a decision. Coming to faith is a process and therefore we need to see evangelism as a process. Secondly, God often uses many people in that process. So evangelism is a team effort, not a solo project. You know, like, we often feel it's all up to me, right? When you're in that conversation, everything rides on this, and if I blow it, it's damnation for this person. You know, we we don't necessarily think in those exact terms, but we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and we make evangelism something a lot more narrow than what it actually is. I think even in your own testimonies, I think these things are probably played out, that it was a process for you, and that God used many people in a lot of different ways to bring you to the place of decision. But not only do our experiences attest to these things, but God's Word does as well. Think about what it says in John chapter 4, 37. It says, thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. So there's different parts of the process. Somebody's sowing and another person is reaping. They're different people that God uses. But so often, we often think, I have to reap. I have to reap. You know, I have to sow and reap right now. You know, it's all right now. But one sows and another reaps. Another text that we can look at is 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. It says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So again, in this passage, what we see is there's a lot of different players in this process of evangelism, right? But so often we narrow it down to just the conversation where you, went, you, you got over the, the, the end zone line, you know? Well, you made it into the end zone. And I think that that unhealthy perspective of simply the event, the awkward conversation with massive amounts of pressure on me, I think that perspective discourages so many of us from even entering into other aspects of this process of evangelism. Recently, I attended a conference that affirmed what I had been really praying through and seeking to teach to the church, and it just provided, in God's providence, sort of like a helpful paradigm to think about things. And um, at, this, at this conference, they talked about the arts of spiritual conversations, where all of these things are involved in reaching out 
to people in Christ's love with the hope that they come to understand his saving grace. It starts with noticing. Sometimes non-believers, for many Christians, are just scenery in our lives. You know? They're not important scenery. They're just scenery. Just like driving down the road and you don't even see, you know, a lot of the different stores or a lot of the different houses. Just scenery that passes by because you're focused on what you're focused on. But are there people that you are noticing? Are there needs around you that you take notice of? In your workplace, at your children's school, um, your neighborhood, among your non-believing family, perhaps. Then we talk about. It, then it talks about praying. We then we bring it to the Lord and. The things that we notice, we start to care about and we bring to him and say, God, what are you doing? And God, empower me. Give me wisdom. Give me heart. Help me love. Moves on to listening now. And these, a lot of these overlap with one another, but it's listening. Listening is getting to know somebody. Hearing through conversation, what God is doing. You know, Jesus had the advantage of omniscience when he interacted with the woman at the well and with Nicodemus or with Zacchaeus. He knew what they needed right on the spot. He knew where his gospel and his grace fit in perfectly. And it wasn't even the same message or the same angle that he took with any of them. They were all a different way that he showed his love and showed his sufficiency, showed that he was God. We don't have omniscience. At least most of us don't. None of us do. That's where listening comes in. Some of us in evangelism, we immediately think about talking, telling, teaching. But we don't know yet where the gospel fits accurately. Maybe we have a canned approach, you know, four spiritual laws or something like that, where that person's not thinking about the plan that God has for their lives. They're thinking about, you know, a broken marriage. They're thinking about, you know, a struggle with pornography. And, you know, God has a, God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Maybe it doesn't fit well. And so it's talking about Relationship, getting into a relationship and not just telling somebody something, but hearing their heart and coming to understand the places where God can touch them specifically with his love. Asking questions. This is talking about, not, again, not just teaching them and telling them, but inviting them on a process of self-discovery. You know, asking them questions like, why do you believe that? And sometimes in the process of them trying to answer their questions, maybe they don't have the answers and then they open up to other answers. But you ask questions rather than just teach or tell. Loving, I think all of this can be considered loving, but loving is, in this context, is really talking about uh, practical acts of love, serving. Not just, again, telling and sharing, but some kind of action-oriented love where we can show something to them. Welcoming. 
inviting them in to your life, uh, not just holding non-Christians in this outer bubble of our lives and occasionally, you know what, okay, I'm going to go into outreach mode, but realizing that you can, they can you know, really be some of your close friends. And in the context of friendship, in the context of friendship, you're listening well, you're asking questions, you're loving them, and the trust is building. Facilitating, again, it's, it's, uh, it, it's similar to asking questions, but you're facilitating a dialogue for them to uh, investigate the claims of Scripture, serving together. And let me just jump to sharing. Now, sharing is what we all thought about earlier. That's the, you know, the event, the confrontation, that conversation, the awkward... That's the part that we often think of. But again, look at that. We often are camped out here or so intimidated by this that we neglect the other eight things. You see what I'm saying? Like, we get so intimidated by this, like, I don't know what to share. I don't know enough about other religions. You know, um, if he's going to ask me about, if God is so good, why does he allow suffering? I, I don't have that all figured out yet. We get stuck here. But we, and we don't invest enough because we're so intimidated by this, we don't notice. We're not praying. We're not listening in the rest of these things. This is, I think, a helpful illustration to the process of evangelism. Now, it's not like, okay, step one, step two, step three, but this shows that there are different aspects to this process coming to faith, that help and that empower and that actually make sharing most effective if we practice some of these other things. <clears throat> and so I wanted to, I, I, today, I wanted to um, share this with all of you because my hope would be that we as a church would grow in evangelism. I think it's not one of our, I don't think it's one of our strengths. It may be some of your gifts, but it is all of our call as disciples in Jesus Christ. But too often, again, we're, we're so busy doing our thing and we're so intimidated by this, these uh, pressure-packed conversations or situations that we neglect other steps in the journey. Today I want to ask that you consider some of these other steps and growing in some of these other steps? Could you consider noticing? Just asking God, God, help me to notice what is going on in the people around me. And, you know, I don't doubt that many of you are actually already doing that. But how about really committing yourself to praying for the things that you notice there and listening, really developing some friendships within which you are sitting and, and you, you, you're not setting the agenda because you have something to share, but you're listening and you're listening for the cracks in their foundation. You're listening for the troubles and the needs and maybe you're even listening to maybe some of the, the, their views on life and seeing, you know what? That, I think Jesus could really have something to say about that. But until you know that specific thing, that's close to their heart, um, 
Maybe you should withhold sharing. I wanted to offer this to you because without maybe some intentional steps, we're not going to grow. And what I want to... Um, a few things I wanted to share uh, in light of this process, in light of these perspectives, are this. Um, because people are impacted by active love, people are impacted by um, not only sharing, um, but listening and serving, other ways in which we can communicate God's love to others, we will not only tell people can we not just tell people about Christ's love, but can we really make space in our lives to actively love those who need God in practical ways? Because most people's decision to follow Christ was more than a process than a one-time event, can we be more patient in the process, perhaps with some of our friends or coworkers? Can we be patient with others just as they were patient with us? Right? That friend that brought me to uh, uh, that praise night in high school. Uh, I know that they were very encouraged when they found out that I was in ministry. It's like, whoa, that's nuts. That crazy kid from high school is in ministry now. But patience. Not only that, perseverance. Because for some people it took many times, many invitations before they responded Sometimes we think, okay, they, they're not interested. Well, wait. Continue to pray. Continue to see if God opens the door. And then also because often many people are involved in someone's choice to follow Christ, can we introduce our friends to our believing friends? Like, I, the, the, the thing that I often see in our church is that we have our church friends and then we have our outside of church friends, and those two worlds don't often collide. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I think because God uses people differently, who knows if when we introduce our friends to our other friends, that, I mean, our, our, our believing friends, that... God may have a special place to use this person in their life that I'm not being used right now. You know? They have a particular gift or they have a particular experience that really they can understand. And there's a connection there. See, usually we are, this is my burden. This is the person I invited, the person I am reaching out to. But what about not just connecting them to individuals, but individuals who are part of a community? so that when I have a birthday party for one of my kids, or for, even for me, I'm going to throw myself a 43rd birthday party this year, <laughs> next year. And in the midst of that, I'm going to invite all kinds of people, people that don't know Christ, and I'm going to invite my church friends. It's not going to just be church. A lot of our parties get that way. <laughs> because, you know, we're comfortable, and then it's expensive, you know, <laughs> But can we be intentional about creating opportunities to connect? Hey, this Friday we're going to have a potluck at my house. And I can invite my friends from small group and my other friends 
from wherever. And what's the, com- what's the connection? Me. You know? Jesus isn't the connection yet. I'm the connection. And we can just hang out and build more connections. And who knows what the... Then as we notice, pray, listen, ask questions, each and every one of us is more empowered to share more specifically and accurately and, and precisely the things that may minister carefully to others. And so maybe just to put it all into some sort of uh, memorable thing, first of all, imagine. Imagine if we all started rubbing shoulders more actively. Imagine if we started to see our friends interacting with our church friends and friendships developing in those kind of situations. Imagine if um, in, in small group, not only are we praying for the needs of one another, but we're actively and, and regularly and consistently praying for the needs of those around each and every one of us, people who don't know God. That's part of the rhythm of our life and our culture. Imagine if in our, uh, you know, we had a rhythm of um, you know, just getting together. Of, you know, football games were these wide open things where everybody was free to bring a friend. You know, because football is really the, is the draw, but friendships can happen, you know? Imagine. Intention. It's not just going to happen, but we can take steps. We can start noticing. We can start praying. We can start listening. We can even start reading to think about how we can share. Thirdly, again, intercession. Really praying for God to help us to change and to see differently, to see with his eyes every single day when we walk around, to notice things, really asking for God's heart and even asking God to work and to show us where he's working so that we can join him. Investment. Maybe this is about really opening up our lives to some new relationships. Maybe it's people who are already on our radar, people who are already in our regular uh, walk of life. We see them all the time, but it's just that we haven't welcome them into our lives that much. They're just people that we see regularly and that we, you know, we haven't really gotten to know them well. Investment. Get to know them. Listen. Ask questions. Spend time. Actively love. And then, finally, invitation. Hey, come to our Christmas service. Come to our women's cookie exchange. Come to basketball. Few of us are going to hang out at a sports bar and watch the Bulls game because they're going to win. Um, Invitation. And uh, if we corporately can kind of grasp all of this, then, then we can know and anticipate that when there's people that we don't, you know, perhaps that we don't know, that we can be intentional about approaching them, getting to know them, investing in them. If we don't aim for anything, we're not going to hit anything. But brothers and sisters, this is, a, this is a burden on my heart, something that I would really hope our church can grow. And I don't, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think the Lord really wants us to grow as a congregation in this. And I think today, He wants you to know that He's already working around you in people's lives. In a lot of their brokenness, there are opportunities for you to even offer up, you know, hey, can I pray for you? That's not sharing your faith, all, you know, everything, but it's 
It's a step, it's a step in that direction. God so loved the world that he gave his son. God also loved, so loved the world that he gave his church to be his hands and feet so that they would know his love and grace. Let's pray. Thank you.